Hello, everyone. Uh, so as Sarah mentioned, uh, this weekend is not just the Platinum Jubilee. There is another holiday happening, uh, and that is the holiday of Pentecost, uh, when Christians celebrate the arrival of the Holy Spirit soon after Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, Pentecost is a sadly forgotten holiday. I'm not going to ask how many people here remembered it was Pentecost today, because I don't want to embarrass you all. But it doesn't have the songs, it doesn't have the food and the presence of Christmas, it doesn't have the Easter traditions of Easter egg hunts and loads of chocolate. And this weekend, it has been very much overshadowed by the Platinum Jubilee and all the celebrations that we've been having that have been really wonderful. But though it is an often forgotten holiday, we are going to mark it today and we're going to think about the story of Pentecost. And we're going to reflect on the impact that it has on our lives today. In particular, we're going to reflect on who the Holy Spirit actually is and how he equips us to serve God on earth. So we're going to start, ourselves, start off by reminding ourselves of the actual story. So we're going to read from two bit of, bits of Acts. That is Acts 1, 6-9, and Acts 2, 1-13. Uh, so if you have a Bible on you, it would be great if you could open up at Acts. If you don't have a Bible, you could also use your phone as well. You can use an app on your phone or just Google Acts. And I'm giving you that clue now because you will need this on your phone for later on. Okay? So you will need it. Uh, but for now, it will also appear behind me on here as well. So that is Acts 1, verses 6 to 9. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, the NLT. <clears throat> so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Then we're going to read from Acts 2, verses 1 to 13. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a storm from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then... What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking to each other in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, yet here we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. 
What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. So that is the story of Pentecost, Pentecost as it is recorded in the book of Acts. And you can read a bit about what happened afterwards and before if you want to later on. But today I want to imagine you're in the, I want you to imagine you're in the following situation. I want you to imagine that later on this afternoon you're sitting in some family gathering. Uh, perhaps this is one about the Platinum Jubilee. You're having afternoon tea outside, though the weather looks a little bit cloudy, so I'll be careful about that. But at that moment, a child comes up to you. They're about eight or nine. They might be a niece, nephew, son, daughter, or uh, the offspring of a vague family friend. But they come up to you, and they tell you that they were at church today. They were at Sunday school. And when they were there, they heard all about the story of Pentecost. And they heard that the Holy Spirit came down and started, speaking, started getting everyone to speak in weird languages. And this kid is a bit confused about the whole thing. And they turn to you, and they ask you a simple question. Who actually is the Holy Spirit? How confident would you be that you could give them an answer that at eight or nine years old, they could actually understand and was correct? In fact, let's have a show of hands. If you think you could give them an answer at that age, and, and it would be correct and they'd understand it, put your hands up. Okay, okay, we've got some. That's good. For you guys, you don't have to listen to the rest of it. That's okay. Um, but how many people here probably would stumble over their words and struggle a little bit to answer that question? Put your hands up if that's the case. Okay. There's a few people who didn't put their hands up. That's okay. Some unsure, like, well, I might be able to get an okay answer out, but I'm not too sure. But some of us are a little bit like, no, I would definitely mess that one up. And I probably would because I'd probably just throw loads of theological words in there and confuse the poor kid. Um, I think probably a lot of us would do that. But the reason I ask this question is because I reckon sometimes we are a little bit confused about who the Holy Spirit actually is and what the Holy Spirit came here to do. And at Pentecost, it's a good time to remind ourselves of the answers to those questions. And I think it's especially the question, especially the situation that we get confused when we hear people talking about the Holy Spirit and they use what I call Christianese, which is the language that only Christians ever talk in. And they use words like prophecy, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, or trinity, and they never bother to explain what those things mean. So you find yourself nodding along going, yeah, sure, I vaguely get what you're talking about, but deep down you're like, I really don't actually know what those things are and I couldn't actually define them for you. Well, today we are going to go back to basics and we are going to learn who the Holy Spirit is and we're going to learn what he came here to do. Unfortunately, this passage is very clear on both those things. And it starts off by telling us that he is God. And if you remember nothing else from today, Remember that he is God. Now, some of you guys, hopefully, will have kept your Bibles open or will have kept your phone open and will have Acts 2 in front of you. And you might be looking at it and going, never actually says that, Tim. Um, good catch. It never says the words, the Holy Spirit is God. But it doesn't need to because it gives us clues and it tells us in a different way. Because the book of Acts paints us an incredibly vivid image of what it was like for the Holy Spirit to arrive. 
the first thing it tells us about is the sounds. It tells us that they were in a room together, a bit like this, and a sound started. It says, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. The believers were surrounded by noise, by something loud, by something overpowering. And then Acts tells us what it looked like. It says what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. We can hear what's happening. We can see what's happening. The sensation of the wind whistling around is joined by the fire coming down from heaven and landing on their heads. It's a pretty intense picture that's given to us by Acts. It's a, it's a supernatural picture. But it's also one that would have made a lot more sense to the people who were there than it does to us. Because the people that were there, they knew their Old Testament. And they would know exactly what those things were symbol of. Because in the Old Testament, the presence of God is often accompanied by wind and fire. In Job 38.1, for example, it tells us that God's voice spoke out of the whirlwind. In Exodus 19.18, it tells us that God came down onto Mount Sinai in a form of fire. The fire and the wind tells us that something supernatural is happening. It announces the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And it makes us think, this, this guy looks and sounds like God. You see, the Bible presents God as consisting of three. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are God together, yet they are distinct. Both one and three, they are the Trinity. And when we speak about the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we are speaking about the third member of that gang. At Pentecost, we get to see him in all his glory. As God the Son left to go to God the Father, God the Spirit comes and takes his place, launching the ministry of the church. Pentecost is the arrival of God, the arrival of the Holy Spirit among his people, and he arrives in style. Now, who here still has Acts 2 open on their phones or on the Bible in front of you? Do you guys have it open? Excellent, because I have a task for you. I want you to look at your Bibles, and I want to answer the question that's going to appear on the screen here. Hopefully. Yes. Once the Holy Spirit turned up, what did he actually do? Once the Holy Spirit turned up, what did he actually do? And you can work with the person next to you if you want to, to help work this out. I want to give you three minutes, and I'll come back. I want you to have an answer to that question. Okay? Ten, ten seconds warning. Okay? I was only going to say ten minutes, but I don't want you to talk for that long. Okay, I'm not going to pick on anyone, but would anyone like to volunteer their answer to this question? If, if you do want to volunteer, feel, oh, we've got one over here. Yes, Jamie. Did he start speaking yes, so other languages started happening, so the Holy Spirit arrived, and all the believers started speaking in other languages. That's great. Anything else? Yep. Made a very loud noise. I actually forgot about that until I was reading it again in front of you guys. And I was like, there's just this loud noise that happens. Um, and it draws everyone's attention. Yeah. Anything else you want my best? Yep, back. Yes. So the Holy Spirit, in making this loud noise, 
drew believers in, or not believers, he drew the crowd in to notice what the believers were doing at that point. So we've got a few things there. We've got um, speaking language. Oh, yes, Susan. Yes, yeah. He, he didn't just stay in one place and make lots of noise, yeah. He actually, he, he spread amongst the believers. Um, so he, he, it says the, the fire landed on each one of them. So, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Enabled them. Okay. Do you want to explain some more? What did enable them? What does that mean? Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. He enabled them. He gave them what they needed to tell people about Jesus. That's really important. In fact, that is what I would like you to remember from this. He enabled them to speak about Jesus. Because in this passage, the Holy Spirit empowers the Christians to spread the good news about all the wonderful things that God has done. That's what it tells us. To put it another way, he starts them off preaching the gospel. And in Acts 1.8, which you read at the beginning, it's Jesus promised them this was going to happen. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, what happens in Acts 2, verses 1 to 13? The ends of the earth turn up. We have have Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Um, By the way, if you ever don't know how to pronounce something in the Bible, just say it confidently, and everyone just believes that's how it's pronounced. Um, I... Most of those I made up on the spot there. Not sure if you can tell. But all those people, they're hearing about the wonderful things that God has done. That's what it says in the text. The Holy Spirit has done a miracle. And the miracle is that he has given those believers who are gathered there the ability to speak in other languages. And in this case, it is used to grab the attention of a multicultural crowd who all speak those different languages because they all suddenly hear someone speaking in their home language, not in a language they might have learned or a second language or something they had to learn for this trip. They hear hear the believers speaking in their home language, which which they should never, ever have known. And after verse 13, if you were to carry on reading, you would read that Peter then gives a sermon to the crowd, and he tells them all about Jesus. He tells them about Jesus' miracles. He tells the people that Jesus was crucified, but that God raised him from the dead. He tells them that Jesus can be their savior, that Jesus calls them to love him, even though many of the people who were there would have been the same crowd which had crucified him not long before. He tells the people that there is forgiveness available to them, and that if they turn to Christ, there are real wonders to be found. And that's all made possible because the Spirit comes and he makes an entrance. In that miracle, the Holy Spirit gives us a glimpse of his mission on earth. He has come to equip believers, to enable believers, I believe you put it, to preach to all people in all parts of the world. Not always miraculously like this, sometimes miraculously like this, but not always. But he has come to enable them to go out to reach all people. In Pentecost, he states his intent. The Holy Spirit has come to build the church and tell people at Christ, so when he arrives, he gets people speaking about Christ. 
And this is just one example of how the Holy Spirit empowers the church. There are some incredible things across the rest of the New Testament which the Holy Spirit does. In Acts 6, 8 to 10, we see him giving Stephen wisdom as he faces opposition from the crowd. In 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12, we read about how the Spirit equips preachers when they speak. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read that the Spirit gives each Christian the gifts they need to serve the church and the world in the context where they are. And in Romans 8, 26, we hear how even the Spirit helps us to pray when we just don't have the words ourselves. Now, so far, we have answered two questions there. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what did he come to do? We've discovered that the Holy Spirit is God, along with God the Father and God the Son, and we've seen that he came here to guide, to strengthen, and to equip his church to tell everyone about the wonderful things that Jesus Christ had done on earth. But we have one more thing to consider. What difference should this make to our lives? Now, once again, with those that are around you and those that came with you, I would like you to answer the question which will appear here. If the Holy Spirit came to empower Christians to tell people about Jesus, what impact should that have on your life? Now, there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer to this. I'm not going to ask you guys to share at the end. Um, you can speak honestly with the people around you. But I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to reflect what impact it would have on your life knowing that the Holy Spirit came to empower Christians to tell people about Jesus. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. So I hope you guys could reflect on some ways that might impact you uh, in your Christian life. I'm going to share two ways I think it impacts me in my Christian life and ways that it might also impact you as well. So I think there are, there are two particular ways that knowing that the Holy Spirit came to empower the church to do its work that changes my life. First of all, I think that knowledge challenges me a little bit. Because I often, when I talk about the Holy Spirit and uh, when I talk about it with other people, I find myself talking about it as a spiritual experience to be encountered, not a person. I find myself talking about the Holy Spirit as if it is an experience, because I want spiritual experiences. I want to be a spiritual person. And I can find myself pursuing the Holy Spirit for that experience. And I look at Acts 2, and I see the fire and the wind, and I'm like, wow, that would be really cool if that happened on a Sunday morning. That would shake things up today if that happened. You probably wouldn't enjoy it, but it would be quite interesting. And it would just be so cool if those things happened. It would be an incredible experience. And sometimes I forget that actually the Holy Spirit isn't there to do a light show. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he is not here to, for some spiritual high or spiritual experience. Because when I read about him, sure, that stuff often happens, but actually the Holy Spirit came here to equip us, to build us up, and to send us out into the world to do work to serve God out there, to tell people in how we act and in what we say about Jesus. He didn't come just to make a church service awesome, though that might happen. The Holy Spirit came to change us when we were in here, so when we go out there, we can tell people about Jesus. And when I treat God like he is a spiritual high, I start to forget about all the things he can do, and I oversimplify the Spirit. The second thing, the, 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 the second way this affects my life is this knowledge comforts me. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I can feel crippled by the pressure 
to do all the things that God wants me to do and to be all the things I feel God calling me to be. Because I know that I am meant to bring Jesus to the world. I know that in my words and my actions, I'm meant to tell people about Jesus. My colleagues, I'm meant to tell them. Um, wherever we are in our lives, we're meant to be sharing Jesus at school, university, wherever. And at my work, I want to be telling people about Jesus. But sometimes that's really, really hard. And sometimes I come home from work and I think, I don't think I drew any attention to Jesus today whatsoever. Because today, I was a bit cranky. And when people ask me questions about my faith, which does occasionally happen, I battered them away, I dodged them by changing the subject, or I gave them half-hearted answers just to shut them up so we could move on. And I feel the pressure of telling people about this wonderful person I know, but I feel like I'm failing to do that. And that breaks my heart because I know what God has done for me. He has taken me from being one person and turn me into another. I, I don't know if you guys share that experience, but for me, God has changed who I am. He has changed me from someone who was selfish, sometimes cruel, sometimes angry. And he has nurtured me, he has forgiven me, and I just want to tell the world about that. And sometimes my efforts feel just not good enough. Well, here, I read that I'm not alone. As I walk through my life, I'm not walking alone. I have the Spirit with me, guiding me, empowering me to exactly what I need to do. And the reason that changes things, the reason that comforts me, is because though I am weak and though at times I'm not good enough, it was never actually me that was being relied upon. It was not my strength that proclaimed the gospel. It was not me who was going to draw the attention to Christ. It is his spirit working in me. He can make my fallen attempts work. He can make my half answers and my uh, changing the subject glorify God. And sometimes he can give me the words to say at exactly the right moment to a colleague who is struggling to point them to Christ. And that is... Beautiful, and it reminds me it's, it's not down to me. It is not my strength. It is not me that does this. It is Christ in me, and that is a, a comforting thing. We need to remember that our God walks with us. Would the uh, band like to come back up? This passage tells us clearly who the Holy Spirit is. He is God. He empowers Christians to spread the good news about all that God has done for them. So today, as we go out from this place, we can look to him to equip us to tell the world about the God we know and love. Let me pray for us. Father, today is Pentecost, and today we celebrate a great gift that was given to us, the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we might know the work of the Spirit in our lives. I pray that we might encounter him today and that he might build us up. Spirit, come upon us and equip us to serve you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.